0: This is Brand and New, from the International Trademark Association. This podcast series explores changes and dynamics in the legal world, now and tomorrow, with a focus on intellectual property. Welcome
1: to Brand and New, I am Audrey Dovey. While many are quarantined at home with their children, professional life and personal life have never been as intertwined. It creates great opportunities to talk about new topics, such as intellectual property, That's why this episode of Brand New is for the kids, even though everyone is welcome to listen, of course. We will give them some clues as to what intellectual property means with tons of practical examples. We will talk about trademarks, how to protect them, but also copyright and patents, and explain why IP is so important for the society and the economy. This episode is co-hosted with Ellie Eleven. Our guests today are legal authorities on IP matters, mentioned and published in national and international publications. Ellie and I are very pleased to welcome two brilliant IP attorneys, David Bernstein, partner, and Megan Banigan, counsel at the law firm Double Voice & Plimpton LLP in New York City, USA. David chairs the firm's IP litigation group, and he is recognized as one of the U.S. leading IP litigators by Managing IP Magazine and The Legal 500. He has also been selected as one of the top 10 trademark lawyers in the world by the International Who's Who of Trademark Lawyers. Megan is a member of the litigation and intellectual property and media groups at the and she has been recognized by managing IP's IP stars, the Legal 500 and Law 360 as a rising star. But that's not all. Teaching is not new for them and they are both amazing pedagogues. David is an adjunct professor at New York's University School of Law and George Washington University Law School, while Megan is an adjunct professor at Rutgers University and previously was a clinical visiting lecturer at Yale Law School. They kindly agreed to rise up to the challenge of making IP law accessible to kids, making it fun for them as well. Wow, I can't wait. <laughs> Megan, David, thank you for accepting our invitation.
2: It's a pleasure, Audrey.
1: We're so happy to be here. So my first question is, can you please explain what IP means?
2: Sure. Well, as you said in your intro, IP is short for intellectual property. Sounds odd. What is that? Well, property is something that you own. It can be something physical, like your iPhone or your football or your bicycle. Intellectual property is the kind of property you own that comes from your ideas, from your imagination. It protects things that you create in your mind, in in your intellect. That's why we call it intellectual property. So it protects things like inventions or books that you might write or drawings that you might make or names that you come up with. And it includes things that we call patents, copyrights and trademarks.
1: What is the difference between a trademark and a patent?
2: That's a great question. Adults are always confused about this as well. So patents protect inventions. If you come up with an idea for a new invention and no one else has invented it, you can file for a patent. And if you get the patent, you've won the jackpot. You would have a monopoly on that idea and then no one else could make or sell it for 20 years. Some of the most fun inventions in the world have been protected with patents. For example, the Super Soaker toy squirt gun or video game consoles like Nintendos or Lego blocks or the Etch-a-Sketch game. Even the Slinky, all of those products were protected by patents, and that allowed the inventors to reap the rewards of owning those products and their ideas.
3: And on the other side, we have trademarks. Trademarks are words or designs that companies use to identify themselves. They're a special type of intellectual property because they're mostly about helping shoppers, like you or me, figure out who makes or produces a specific product. So for instance, let's think about cereal. The first one that comes to my mind is Cheerios. That's my daughter's favorite and what I fed her for breakfast this morning. When we hear the name Cheerios, even without seeing the actual cereal, we know what it's referring to, and we expect to get a certain type of product. With Cheerios, we expect to get a high-quality cereal that tastes and looks a certain way. The Cheerios name is a protected trademark. That means that no one else can start selling a cereal that is called Cheerios. And that's because if someone else did start selling a cereal called Cheerios, people buying the cereal would get confused and wouldn't know what they're actually buying. Looking at a different example, let's say that you and your friends decide to start a band. And let's say the band, you decide to name it the Crazy Caterpillars. You don't want someone else to then start a band and use that same exact name because that would be confusing. No one would know who the real Crazy Caterpillars were. So you can protect the Crazy Caterpillars name with a trademark
2: and names on all that trademarks protect they can also protect logos for instance the picture of an apple that appears when you turn on your iphone that's a protected trademark the nike swoosh is a protected trademark and even certain colors and sounds and scents can be trademarks if they tell a buyer what the source of the good is so take for example play-doh play-doh has a very distinctive smell and that's actually a trademark If you had a blindfold on and someone put Play-Doh before you, you would smell it and know what it is even without seeing it. That smell tells you what company makes it, and that's what a trademark is.
1: Thanks, it's clear. And what is copyright? How is that different from patent and trademark?
2: That's a great question, too. We know that patents protect inventions, and trademarks protect things like names and logos. What copyright protects is the way you say things. It protects your expression. They protect things like plays or books or drawings or photographs. And it can also protect the way technology is expressed. For example, the look and feel of a website or the computer code that's used for things like video games. All of that is protectable by copyright. And if you own the copyright, you can stop anyone from copying it. That's why it's called copyright. For example, if we think back to the band that Megan mentioned, the Crazy Caterpillars, imagine if they decide to write their own music. That music, both the lyrics and the words, can be protected by copyright. That means that someone else can't steal their music or lyrics and use it as their own. The Crazy Caterpillars can also copyright the actual recordings, the performances of their music. So someone else can't play a Crazy Caterpillar song to the public without getting permission from the crazy caterpillars. That's why when you go to a restaurant and the restaurant plays music in the background, the restaurant actually has to get permission in order to be able to play that music. That's what copyright protects.
3: As another example of how copyright works, think of your favorite books. Let's say the Harry Potter books. I love those books, and I hope my kids one day will as well. The characters and words in those books are protected by copyright. So no one other than the owner, J.K. Rowling, can use those characters or words as written together without Ms. Rowling's permission. This is why Warner Brothers needed Ms. Rowling's permission to make the Harry Potter movies and to even have Harry Potter rides at its amusement parks. Okay, why are all these types of IPs so important? Great question. IP rights are so important for several reasons. First and foremost, because they protect what you have created It wouldn't be fair for you to come up with a fabulous and profitable idea like the name for a new cool band and for someone else to be able to take it from you and use it just like someone shouldn't steal your laptop they also shouldn't steal your ideas or your homework answers or the name of your band
2: so ip rights are also important with respect to trademarks and that's because it protects consumers when a consumer buys something in the marketplace The trademark lets you know exactly what you're buying, and it protects consumers from confusion. Imagine, for example, if you're a coffee drinker and you see a store called Starbucks. You know exactly what quality you will get when you buy a coffee drink there. And if someone else was allowed to sell their own coffee drinks under the name Starbucks, or maybe a name that sounds confusingly similar, like Starbeck, you probably would be confused into thinking it came from the Starbucks company that you know and love, and that would be unfair. That would hurt both the buyer, who would be confused, and it would hurt the seller, Starbucks, who would lose those sales.
0: INTA is a global association representing more than 30,000 brand owners and professionals dedicated to supporting trademarks and related intellectual property to foster consumer trust, economic growth, innovation.
4: Now I give the floor to you, Willie. Thank you! I have tons of questions for Megan and David. I invented a delicious organic healthy green candy. I have a few ideas of names and logos for this product. How should I proceed?
2: Well, Ellie, if you're thinking about starting a new company and protecting your uh, new candy, you should start by thinking carefully about the name that you're going to choose. Some trademarks, some names are stronger than others. And that's because they can differentiate your candy or your brand from other people's. For example, Smucker's is a very strong trademark for peanut butter, because the name has nothing to do with peanut butter. It helps differentiate the Smucker's brand of peanut butter from other brands, like Jif, for example. But if someone were to pick a name like Sweet Crunchy Peanut Butter for their peanut butter, that wouldn't be very distinctive at all. That's because sweet, crunchy peanut butter can describe almost anybody's peanut butter. And so that would not be a strong name. You're going to want to pick a really strong name for your candy. You also should think about the recipe for your candy. Is it something common, like combining water and sugar and flavoring? If so, there's nothing unique about that, and there's no patent that would be available. But if you come up with some crazy invention. Maybe some new way to turn lima beans into delicious candy. That might be something that you could protect with a patent. And then finally, since we also talked about copyrights, you should think about protecting your copyrights. If you create a website for your candy, that's something that can be protected by copyright, and you wouldn't want someone else to copy it. Now, of course, with all of these things, with patents, with trademarks, with copyrights, not only do you want to protect your own IP, your own intellectual property, But you want to be careful not to copy other people, not to infringe other people's intellectual property rights. So you shouldn't copy someone else's name for a candy. And you can actually check that. You can look to see what other names are out there, what other names have been registered as trademarks or are being used. And you could even do a simple internet search to check that out. And you shouldn't copy someone else's invention for a candy. If someone else has already invented how to turn lima beans into candy, Even if you come up with the idea on your own, without copying it, if they have a patent, you can't use that invention. And of course, you shouldn't copy the design or computer code for someone else's website. It's just like what you learn in school, where you're not supposed to copy your friend's homework. You're not supposed to plagiarize a book. Those things are all important as well as you start your new business.
4: Thanks for the good advice. And what are the different steps to follow for protecting my trademark?
3: First. Like David highlighted, pick a strong name. That's so important. And then next, you need to make sure that no one else is using that name. Even if you came up with the idea yourself, you still have to make sure that no one else is using your name or a name that is confusingly similar. The internet is a great place to start for this. You can do some searches to see if you can locate anyone else that might be using your name or something similar. And a lot of countries also have trademark offices That publish their trademarks online. So for example, the United States Patent and Trademark Office and the European Intellectual Property Office both register trademarks and have databases where you can look up all of the trademarks online. Um, This is an incredibly helpful resource. And you can also, for even more of a deep dive into who might be using a similar mark, go to the experts for help like this too. And by the experts, we mean the lawyers, of course. The next step is to actually file for a trademark registration with the trademark offices in all countries where you plan to sell your candy. There's no age restriction for who can get this protection. If you come up with a great idea, you can protect it. While you can possibly work with your parents to help you find an expert to do this, many trademark offices have resources online to make this easy to do even for kids they even have web pages dedicated exactly to teaching kids about trademarks and patents and show exactly what you need to do to go get them and if you need help finding an expert you of course can always look to the international trademark association's pro bono clearinghouse for help
4: wow okay thank you and can i protect my candy's color or even its smell
3: well
2: that's a very creative question and it's possible to protect things like color or smell But you have to be careful. If the color or the smell that you picked are unusual, and it's not something that you would normally associate with candy, then it's possible that you could protect it. But if it's something that's common, then it's not protectable. And that's because everybody should have the right to use it for their candy. Imagine, for example, if your candy is lime flavored and you give it a citrusy smell. Well, then you can't not protect that. That's because green is a common color for lime candies. And citrus is a common smell for lime candies. But if you come up with something that's utterly distinctive, you might be able to protect the color. I mean, imagine, for example, that the flavor of your candy is chocolate. Well, no one would expect chocolate to be green. So, green is not immediately a descriptive color for a chocolate candy. But you can't get protection just because you make a green chocolate flavored candy. You can only protect the color if a large part of the public comes to associate that color with your product. In other words, if over time you have so many sales and so much advertising that whenever somebody sees a green chocolate flavored candy, they know it comes from Ely, then you would know that you've got a trademark. And that takes time. And it's not gonna happen if other people are already using those colors. For example, it took a long time for Cadbury to be able to trademark its unique purple color For its candy wrappers.
4: Very clear. Thanks, David. If one's mark is close to someone else's mark, it is a problem, obvious.
3: But what are the risks? This is another great question. And as trademark lawyers, we're so happy that you're raising these issues now. There are so many risks that come by using a mark that is too close to someone else's mark. First, like we've already mentioned, you risk confusing your buyers or your audience. They won't know which product they are buying. They might not get what they are looking for, which will make those buyers unhappy with your product and unlikely to come back again. So it's bad for business. But there's also the risk that the person who owns the other mark will enforce its ownership rights in its trademark against you. And that means that they will take steps to stop you from using the mark that they claim is confusingly similar, and you will quite possibly have to change your name or design. And they can even take you to court to do this. It's not only inconvenient, but it can be very expensive and cause you to lose all of the valuable time and effort that you have already put in to build your reputation using the name that you have selected. That's why it's best to do your research first and make sure the trademark you choose is available for use.
4: Okay, I understand. Fake products are one of the biggest threats in the world today. Can you please explain why?
3: Well,
2: it's great that you're worried about fakes, and I think more kids should be worried about fake products. Fake products really hurt the economy, and they hurt the famous brands that the fakes are copying. It's just not fair to the brands that spend so much time and effort creating amazing products to then be ripped off by someone else selling fake versions of those products on the black market. Brands lose money on those sales, and they might lose future customers, too, If the customers buy fake products, find the products aren't as good as the real ones, and then they hold that against the brand. You know, imagine if you were to buy a fake Nintendo video game. And if that video game wasn't the same quality, if it didn't have really good action and good graphics and good music, you might think that Nintendo isn't very good anymore. And you might stop buying Nintendo. You might switch to PlayStation. It would be unfair to Nintendo if Nintendo lost your loyalty because you bought a fake Nintendo product and you didn't actually experience the quality of real Nintendo products. But even more importantly, you should be worried about fake products being dangerous to you and to your health and safety. Fake products often skip important review processes that help make sure products meet special safety and health requirements set by our government. And if you buy a fake product that wasn't made at the right level of quality, Those products could go undetected. For example, if you buy a cell phone that looks just like an iPhone, but it's not really an iPhone, instead it was a cheap made version in a factory that doesn't make them well and doesn't have proper controls, it might not meet safety standards. Maybe that iPhone would burn in your hand or your ear, or it could cause even more damage. Another example is if you buy makeup or perfume that's fake. And those fake products, if they're not made carefully and by the company that stands behind those brands, they might have chemicals in them that could be dangerous to your health. And that could run the gamut from being poisonous to maybe even turning your skin green, just like your candy.
4: Wow. <laughs> and now we have few rapid fire questions for you both. Oh, please. Can I ask them? I told you I had a lot of questions. <laughs> okay. What is the most amazing innovation for you?
3: This is a hard one, but off the top of my head, I'd have to say airplanes, because they let me travel to amazing places, and photographs, because they let me capture those memories, as well as other amazing memories with my family and friends that are just invaluable.
2: Well, for me, I think I would say it's the internet. I mean, you probably can't imagine what a world was like without the internet. But when I was your age, Ellie, there was no internet. There was no email, there weren't even any computers. The internet has opened up new worlds for everyone to explore without having to fly on any of those airplanes that Megan described.
4: Wow, it's difficult to imagine the world without internet. Do you have a favorite trademark?
2: (laughs) That's like asking which is your favorite child. I love all of my clients' trademarks, but if I had to pick one that's been important in my career, I'd say it was Vitamin Water. That's a hard name. It's not one of those strong trademarks that we discussed before, like Smucker's, because vitamin water is very descriptive. It's water with vitamins. But over time, they sold a lot of it and they were able to protect it as a trademark. And then I helped register that trademark. And I helped protect it against infringers who came out with their own products that infringed it, like one product that was called vitamin shampoo. And then I helped the company that created the vitamin water trademark sell their business to the Coca-Cola company for a lot of money. It was an amazing story. It started with a small family business with the idea for flavored water with nutrients in it, and they had a great name, they had a terrific label, and it ended up with a deal that was worth billions of dollars.
3: This question is impossible for me. I don't even know where to start and definitely can't pick a favorite, Uh, but I'll quickly mention one of my favorites from a recent manner that I worked on. And that's the healthiest trademark. Uh, The mark is owned by a young woman who followed her dreams to start her own business and followed all of the right steps that we outlined when picking a name for a business that she wanted to build. But even having done that, she ended up having to negotiate with a big, big corporation with very deep pockets who also loved and wanted to use the name. Ultimately, because of the steps she had taken, we were able to help her keep and protect that name making her free to build the brand in the future. That's what you want to see, and it was a great and heartwarming result. And is it fun
4: to be an IP lawyer?
3: Absolutely. I love being an IP lawyer. Uh, We get to work to help protect so many fun brands and inventions, and these are the products that we know and use in our everyday lives, like the ones we see at the grocery and clothing stores, the television shows and movies that we see on our TVs, and the cool ways that you are able to watch them on your TV now uh, and even your favorite websites and blogs. Those are just a few examples, uh, but really every case is exciting.
2: Also, Early, all the people you meet in the IP world are amazing. And the fun thing about being an IP lawyer is we're always working with creative people, people who have incredible new ideas that will change the world or creative artists that will inspire us with their work or brilliant marketers who will develop the brands that become so important in our everyday
3: lives.
4: Now your turn. <laughs> so my last question is how to learn
1: more about IP.
3: Well, in the United States, the Patent and Trademark Office has a great resource for kids. Um, that's the USPTO.gov backslash kids website. That was the URL. There's a ton of videos, lesson plans, games, coloring pages, Um, And all sorts of other projects that they include on this website, uh, and more instructions on how you can trademark and patent your ideas. It's really a great resource.
2: And of course, the other thing that kids like Illy and kids all around the world can do is they can listen to more podcasts. This one was specially made for kids, but there are lots of great podcasts out there from Inta and from other places that will teach you all about IP. As Inta would say, it's all brand and new.
4: Absolutely. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, David. Thank
2: you. It was a pleasure talking to you both. Good luck with that green candy, Ellie.
4: Thank you.
1: Our guests today were David Bernstein, partner, and Megan Bannigan, counsel, at the law firm De Bevois & Clinton LLP in New York.
0: Thank you for listening to Brand & New, brought to you by the International Trademark Association. Be sure to tune in every two weeks on Tuesday for new episodes. If you like today's podcast, Please subscribe and share it. We are always looking for new people to discover brand and new. And to learn more about INTA, its resources and events, please visit www.inta.org.